Slob Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Thank you again, everybody, for joining Cindy and I this morning here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> uh, just as we were we it's were talking. Masters yeah. Week. I know. Uh, Masters Week, and uh, we're going to also talk just briefly a little bit about this past week at Augusta National. I mean, wow, what a what an event! Uh, you know, the uh, of course I'm talking about the Augusta Nationals Women's Amateur event uh, that took place and uh, finished up on on uh, on Saturday. And we're going to actually ask both of our guests uh, their thoughts uh, on that event because obviously it's very historical. Uh, great turnout with the crowds. Uh, and then, of course, we're rolling into the regular Masters tournament this week. So a lot of excitement going on in Georgia this uh, this month. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, I see that our, our first guest is ready this morning. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about And as I was mentioning to you, Cindy, off air, um, this young lady, Leona McGuire, of course, was the winner of this past week's uh, Symmetra Tours Windsor Golf Classic. And uh, I'm just going to tell you a little bit because she's got so many accolades. It'd be, we'd be here the whole uh, hour just uh, rambling them all off. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then uh, hit some of the highlights and then we'll bring her on. Uh, Leona, of course, is 24. She's uh, from Ireland and has had one of the most storied collegiate careers in NCAA history uh, while she was at Duke University. Uh, she owns the all-time record for most weeks, 135 at number one in the Women's World Amateur Golf Ranking uh, with 87 rounds of even or under par and 32 rounds in the 60s are the most in NCAA history, while her uh, 70.97 stroke average is the lowest in uh, NCAA history as well. Um, just uh, She was all ACC uh, selection, three-time ACC Player of the Year, two-time WGCA and Annika National Player of the Year, and two-time runner-up at the NCAA Division I Women's Golf Championship in two- 2015 and 17 um, and she became only the second player to win the ACC championship individual title three times joining fellow Duke alumna uh, Amanda Blumenhurst um, and uh, she made uh, 2017 the ladies British Open amateur winner and global golf post female amateur of the year made professional debut on in the uh, 2018 ShopRite LPJ classic finishing with a tie at 15 and her Metatrur debut at the 2018 Forsyth Classic, uh, where she tied third. And, of course, this past week, as I mentioned, at the uh, Windsor Golf Classic, uh, she hoisted up the trophy as the winner. So let's welcome, uh, Cindy, our very special guest this morning, Leona McGuire. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Where are you right now? You sound a little tired. I'm in, uh, I'm in Phoenix right now, so... Uh... A little bit of an early start for me, but uh, happy to talk with you guys. Well, thank you for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. We know it's early there, so uh, thank you for for getting up. I know you've had a pretty exciting um, last week uh, winning. And first off and foremost, congratulations on winning the Windsor Golf Classic. Uh, I know you're very excited about that. but how was your week? Let me ask you, uh, how was your week overall? Uh, how did you feel you played overall? Obviously, ultimately, you won, but did you feel your game was, was sort of your A game for the week? Yeah, I think my game has been uh, trending quite nicely over the past few weeks. Obviously, um, in Florida, I finished fifth, and then um, the week before last, and in um, Beaumont, I had a chance to win down there and didn't quite get it done, and 
I felt like my game was in really good shape. Um, as soon as I got to the golf course, it um, it reminded me a little of, of Notre Dame's course and, and quite a lot like home. So uh, being from Ireland, I'm, I'm obviously used to kind of wet conditions and, and rain, and obviously the weather wasn't ideal last week, and I kind of felt right at home. And, uh, yeah, I got some, got some nice birdies to drop on that final day, and um, it, was, it was nice to capitalize on those to get it done. Yeah, and what a great awesome. uh, a great win! And just yeah, and, and Cindy, just something else too. I, I didn't like I said she's got so many accolades here. We'd we'd be for the whole hour reading them all off, but uh, something else uh, very notable. Of course, she competed in the 2016 Summer Olympic Games, uh, where you tied for 21st uh, as low amateur, and you also played in the 2017 or sorry, you won as I mentioned the uh, 2017 Ladies British Open Amateur. Uh, so you, you've got uh, some really great. Uh, um, background, if you will, coming into uh, your golfing career. Um, I, I want to ask you one more question, then, Cindy. I'm going to throw it over to you just about the this past week when you were playing. Um, you hear this often with a lot of players, whether a course kind of fit their eye or it didn't fit their eye. Do you feel that in this particular case, this this course really played uh, to your strong game? Yeah, definitely. I think as soon as I got there um, and played my first practice run on Tuesday, I liked the way it was set up. Um, it reminded me of a lot of home, so that's that's always nice when it um, it sort of seems familiar, even though you've never been there before. Um, and like I said, we got quite a bit of rain, so the the golf course softened up, and an iron play was key, and that's something that's has always been a strong part of my game. And um, I was hitting my irons really well all week, and and was able to give myself a lot of chances, which is nice. Yeah. Were, were there some tough holes for you, though? Were there a few holes that really kind of gave you a little bit of trouble throughout the week? Yeah. Um, I suppose the par threes, maybe I didn't play my best. Um, second hole gave me a little bit of trouble. And then um, at the turn, nine and ten were, were tough. So made two really good pars there, especially the last day, um, which – helped me turn in, in five under and, and really kept some good momentum going. So they were huge for me to, to not drop shots there and um, sort of start strong going into the back nine. Very good. Um, yeah, you definitely you definitely got to do that. Cindy, go ahead. A couple questions. Are you Do you have any status on the LPGA Tour this season? I do not know, but I um, I have my European tour card, so I'll be I'll be back and forth a little bit between. Uh, Metro and, and the LEG. So right now I'll uh, have two weeks off and I go back home to, to play in Morocco and Dubai before coming back out here again. Holy cow. So how long... <laughs> yeah. Free trips coming up. Um, how long have you played golf? When did you start? Um, I started when I was about 11. And I grew up right right next door to um, a golf course that had a had a nine hole par three course. So um, dad was a keen golfer. So started there with my twin sister Lisa, and um, yeah, kind of snowballed from there really. Does your twin sister Lisa still play? She does. Yeah, she was actually competing uh, back in France this week. So uh, we uh, we we went to Duke together, grew up ball playing together. So now we're we're still competing just on. Uh, a little bit further away from each other these days. And let me ask you a question. It's it's funny because you're so consistent and you're so good and you're going to be such a star. Can you simplify the game from where you sit right now? And if you were talking to someone who was 14 or 15 and wanted to play golf in college, what would you tell them to work on? Um, I think a big part for me is is my wedges. Um, I know in college I spent so much time practicing my wedges. Um, it helped me not only with my short game but also with my long game. Anytime if I had something to fix in my swing, I'd always practice my wedges first. Um, and if you've got wedges, you just you have the, that confidence as well to know if you miss screens, you're going to get it up and down. Par fives, you're going to take advantage of. So. Um, for me, short game, obviously, putting's massively important too. But uh, yeah, wedges are a big thing um, for me. And how many wedges do you carry? Uh, three. Which ones? Mm-hmm. So I'm 
Uh, I've got a picture wedge of 52 uh, and a 60, but uh, I'm actually going to visit Ping in, in Phoenix today, so I think I, I might be adding another one today after after I see, see Scott there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Very cool. Um, you know, and some great advice for, for some of the up-and-comers uh, wanting to get into the game, especially that want to start off playing collegiately. Um Leona, I want to ask you something I, that I was reading about you here in some of the notes that we received in, in preparation for today. Um, you indicated last year you felt like you were rushing. Um, what do you mean by that, and what changes, uh, if any, did you make for this season in order to, to sort of uh, change that position? Yeah, I think I suppose uh, I graduated in Duke in, in May and then uh, still had regionals and nationals to finish up, and then pretty much turned pro straight away Um played in the shop right, got off to a great start there and then, then turned to the, the Symmetra tour. And I suppose starting, starting the Symmetra season just after halfway, um, most of, most of the tour pretty much had a, a decent head start on me. And, um, I was obviously trying to finish in the top 10, trying to get my, my card. And I, I probably didn't take as many breaks as I, I should have. Um, and kind of just got a little wore out as, as the season went on. Um, I just didn't give myself the the best chance to to play my best golf. So um, it's nice this year to be starting from scratch, starting from zero with everybody else, and get to pan out my schedule a little bit more. And I I played in Australia and um, the first LPGA event in the Vic Open, and then played two more LET events down there. So it was a nice sort of warm up, build up uh, into the Symmetra season. So um, yeah, I just feel like I have a little bit more time this year and kind of and pick and choose my events on on my own time. Yeah, and uh, that that's so true, you know, Cindy, I think that for a lot of players, you know, they get out there and they get, you know, they want to get very especially when they're in their uh, first seasons, they want to, you know, be very aggressive, get out there and and really sort of stake their claim on tour and a lot of times by the end of the season they're just beat uh, and overwhelmed with the uh, you know, just the the week in week out pressures of of tournament life and especially Leona, someone like yourself that not only is playing here in the United States, but you're also playing back home uh, in, you know, with the LET uh, and several events as well. So you've got, you know, additional travel on top of that, um, which sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, and, and obviously your win this past weekend uh, catapults you up uh, on the uh, leaderboard, if you will, for the Volvic race for the card. So you're in good position. And I think with, with everything that we've been reading about you, I think you're going to stay uh, up up top, uh, you know, for quite some time, and hopefully you'll finish out the season there, number one. Um, I, I want to ask you one other question, then, Cindy. I want you to also jump in on this because I think this is a a very important, um, you know, topic to discuss here. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, and I don't know if you had a chance, Leona, to catch any of this, but obviously uh, at Augusta National this year, this past weekend, I know you were playing, so you may not have got a chance to catch anything, maybe other than a few highlights, but uh, the Augusta National Women's Amateur event was held there, and then on Sunday, of course, uh, the final round was actually played uh, on a Augusta National grounds, if you will, leading up to the Masters Tournament. What did you think about the event, if you did catch anything and what do you hope to see happen as a result of this um, this inaugural event? Yeah, I mean, um, we were playing, so I unfortunately didn't get to see much of it, but I, I caught a lot of the highlights. I mean, it was all over Twitter. It was all over Instagram. And I think it was just an incredible showcase for for female golf and, and female athletics. Um, I knew a lot of the girls that were playing. I, I played college golf with a lot of them. Um, would have would have loved to have been there alongside them, but um, yeah, I mean, especially that last day, it seemed like Jennifer played some incredibly impressive golf coming down that back nine. Um, I think people really appreciated how how good these girls actually are, um, and it was fantastic mm-hmm. to see the the co- the coverage of it, the excitement of it, um, and it, yeah, I think the the general buzz that I saw them, Maria and Jennifer both on the Jimmy Fallon show um, last night. Um, right. Yeah, I think it was it was a fantastic start from Augusta, and hopefully it can can lead to something bigger and better in the coming years. I've never been to Augusta. I'd, I'd love to to someday get the opportunity to to go there and and hopefully compete there. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, just missed out by a year this time. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> there'll there'll be an opportunity in the future. 
Well, you were you were busy winning your own tournament uh, the same weekend, so I, I wouldn't complain too much about that. That's uh, that's nothing to uh, to uh, sneeze at, as they say. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, Cindy, uh, I didn't obviously see the whole tournament either. I was doing some other things, but um, I did catch many of the highlights. And of course, as Leona mentioned, you know, Jennifer Cupto, uh finished with a ten under. Uh, what a great Masters, uh, you know, lead lead up to the Masters, if you will, to have that event. What did you think about it? Did you get a chance to watch anything, Cindy, and, and what were your thoughts on it? I did not get to see any of it. I was giving golf lessons. But um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that they've done this. I think it's awesome. Uh, I'm so impressed with the play of the girls or the women who played. I, it was amazing. I think the excitement is unreal, and I just think it's a really smart move on the Masters members and committee. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, um, I think also too. Um, you know, I watched uh, a little bit of the the footage um, of the the opening ceremonies, and of course, uh, they had Siri Pak, um, uh, Nancy Lopez. And Annika Sorenstam and uh, Lorena Ochoa, of course, hit the inaugural tee shots. And uh, what, what's, you know, some great ambassadors for women's golf. I mean, you know, all uh, major winners, all in- incredible champions. And uh, it was just very exciting to see. Um, Leon, I want to ask you another question just about that. And then, Cindy, I'll bounce it back to you. Um, what would it mean for you to play in a women's Masters if they, uh, you know, if, if they, decided to bring a, a women's version, if you will, of the Masters, turn it to Augusta National. What would that mean for you? And how would you approach it knowing your game and knowing how, I know you've never played there, but just from what you've seen, how tough Augusta National can be. What do you think, would you do anything different in the way you play? Would you adjust, make some adjustments? Uh, what would you do if anything different um, to play in a tournament like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be it'd be incredible if we if we ever had a, an event there. Obviously, growing up watching the Masters and um, seeing all those those iconic shots, this was the the big thing for me. Would probably I generally hit the ball quite straight. I don't turn the ball much either way. And I think um, the feedback I've heard from Augusta is that it it helps a lot, especially on on that back nine if you can shape the ball quite a lot to maybe cut a little bit off some of the corners, make the the course a little shorter for you, so you go in with obviously the greens are, are quite slopey to so going into the greens with shorter irons can be uh, quite an advantage and um the greens are obviously once they're fast and firm they're they're quite difficult so um lots of practice on very fast and undulating greens I think would be key as well um in preparation for a tournament like that. Yeah and and positioning, obviously, Cindy, is is critical. I mean, if you listen to some of the players over the years talk about their experience at the Masters, one of the big things that they always say, I mean, obviously, you know, positioning is important in any golf tournament, particularly at the Masters. Though, if you don't hit the right part of the green, I mean, that ball can roll back and, uh, you know, be quite a distance away from the hole. Uh, you know, so it's obviously a very strategic and, you know, Nicholas always talked about over the years with his master's appearances, just how strategic. And obviously he was, in my opinion, the king of, of the mental game, but, um, uh, you know, and, and Tiger, of course, has followed suit for many years as well. And that's why he has so many green jackets. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've got some, some other questions as well. Were you on the Irish national team? I was, yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate that um, from about maybe 14 or 15 was on the national team and got to travel um, throughout Europe and, and compete there and then got to um, travel a bit internationally as well. So um, anytime you get experience like that from a young age and, and support like that, it, um, it definitely helps and, and makes a big difference to your development. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. What's the best part of your game? Um, I'm probably going to say my irons. Um, my irons are generally pretty consistent. Um, have quite a neutral ball fight, and um, I, I generally hit my irons quite well, and then it's just a case of how I how I putt on any given week. So my putting something that I've worked on quite a bit. So um, 
this week my putting was good and and helped me helped me get the get the win and um yeah um yeah definitely feel my irons I would I would think. What do you work on with your putting? Do you own a blast sensor? A bl- a black sensor. Blast B L A S T. Oh, blast connect. I don't know. Um, no, a lot of um, a lot of uh, drills. Um, I like to compete as well when I'm I'm practicing my putting. I always like to have some sort of competitive aspect to it. Um, I try not to to get too technical. Um, I changed my routine a little bit recently. It's really helped me. Um, working with my coach to do that and um. Yeah, just a lot of uh, sort of competitive practice, trying to simulate what I get at in the golf course. And who who do you work with? Who's your coach? Um, I go to Shane O'Grady. Um, I've worked with him since I've uh, been about twelve years old back home in Ireland. Um, but he sometimes comes out to to events, and we work a lot on video. Obviously, with me traveling so much, and I'll get to see him when I go home. Um, I'll get to see him on Friday when I go home, and. Um, we keep tabs on everything. Um, generally, try and keep it not too technical, but um, there's a few key things that we're we're sort of always working on. That's awesome. Hmm. Very good. Um, let me just ask, uh, as we wrap up here, Sinia, just have a couple of quick questions. Um, what do you think is the hardest part of of tour life for you, uh, Leona? And um, what do you like to do? If you have an off season, what do you like to do besides golf? What other hobbies or activities do you like? Yeah, so the biggest the biggest adjustment to me for tour life was probably all the travel and and the fact that the tournaments are are back to back to back and you can go on stretches. I mean, this is my my tenth week on the road, being away from home, and uh, I suppose in the amateur game you go and you play one or two events in a row, and then you get a couple weeks off to practice and rest and and work on your game, whereas um, every week out here you're you're kind of just on to the next one, and you got to be ready to go again. So um, that's taken a little bit of time getting used to that. Um, and sort of, I had to rearrange how I planned out my week, and in terms of getting the best preparation I could get, and and also rest at the same time so that I I was fresh come tournament time. Um, and then, I mean, all the travel we get to do, I like to I like to get to see some of the places we go to. Um, I'm a big sports fan, so if I can, if I can go see a local baseball game or basketball game or, or whatever the big sport is in that place, I I like to do that. And um, yeah, when I get to go home, I like, just like to spend time with family and friends. Um, I'm I'm quite an active person. I need to be doing something, so uh, usually something doing something outside or or something like that. Good Very good. You. Yeah, you got to have some. Yeah, got to have some downtime and. And uh, obviously, spend some some time with family and friends. Um, well, Leona, we want to thank you for for joining us this morning. Uh, we know uh, again you had to get up a little extra early to uh, to be with us, and we appreciate that very much. And uh, obviously, congratulations again uh, on your win this past week of the uh, Windsor Golf Classic. Uh, I think you got a lot of great just from looking at your resume here. Uh, you've got a lot of a great uh, future ahead, and we wish you all the best and and keep it going. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Good luck, right. honey. Keep thank you. Keep, keep thank rolling. You. All right, that was uh, Leona McGuire, uh, again winner of the uh, past weekend's Windsor Golf Classic. Um, you know, I've noticed something, and I don't know if you have or not. We've had a few young ladies uh, from Europe on the program, and they really. Um, even though I know that the travel is, is tough, they don't really seem to let it phase them very much. I guess maybe they're because they're used to it. What do you think about that? I mean, that, that's, I mean, it's hard enough traveling from one side of the U.S. to the other to go to different tournaments. But, uh, you know, here she just mentioned a little while ago, you know, she's got to head back over uh, to Europe to play in a couple events and then come back again. That's got to be hard on a player. What do you think? Well, it's part of the job, you know. If you love what you're doing, it doesn't, you know, it's just part of the job. You plan accordingly. And like she said, she's able to to plan her schedule. A lot of these girls aren't Mm -hmm. able to plan their schedule. So, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. 
I mean, it's difficult, but it's part of the job. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I think they do adjust. You're, I'm sure you're right. Uh, I think that it can be difficult at times. Like she said, when you've got a stretch of, of tournaments back to back to back, uh, it can be a little bit daunting. But um, and unlike in amateur golf, where she has a little bit of a, a, a longer rest sometimes between events. Um, but I think you, you work your way up to that. And obviously, you know, if you look at her uh, NCAA uh, career, uh, she was obviously a very uh, aggressive player. I mean, to, to hold number one position for that many weeks. Uh, is not an easy task, and uh, with so much competition coming out, and like you mentioned earlier, uh, with the weekend uh, here at Augusta, um, you know just how uh, aggressive some of these young ladies are out there. And Jennifer Cupcho, I mean, uh, she just played some phenomenal golf. She's actually number one right now uh, as well. Um, you know, so she's she's out there just you know playing like crazy, and and uh, you know it's not an easy thing to do. Um, Speaking of another uh, young lady that's not only playing some great golf in her own right, but also uh, is our, our next guest, uh, Dr. Allison Kurt. Uh, she's not only, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She's not quite here yet, but uh, I'll, I'll read out some of the information here, and then we can uh, just wait for her to come on. Uh, as I mentioned, our, our guest this afternoon, or the second half is uh, Dr. Allison Kurt. Uh, she's a PGA and LPGA Master Professional. Uh, has over 30 years of golf competition background. Uh, she's competed in five LPGA Tour majors and has qualified for her six to be held uh, this June. Uh, she's the owner of Allison Kurt Golf in uh, uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, she's earned countless teaching awards, such as the 2018 uh, South Cal PGA Club Fitter of the Year, four-time LPGA Western Section uh, Teacher of the Year, 2016 uh, Southern California PGA Teacher of the Year, and three-time uh, GRA Top 50 Teacher, uh, 2015 LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Natural, National Teacher of the Year, uh, and so many uh, others. She was uh, inducted uh, in 2017 into the Southern California PGA uh, Teacher Hall of Fame. Uh, golf Magazine recently selected her as one of eight teachers to watch, and Golf Digest selected her twice as one of America's best young teachers. Uh, and as I mentioned, Dr. Uh, Kurt, uh, she's a clinical sports uh, psychotherapist utilizing EMDR to help athletes achieve peak performance and overcome uh, athletic traumas. And she currently serves as the LPJ uh, Teaching and Club Professionals National Vice President. So uh, she's equally got uh, an incredible resume as well. Um, so Cindy, I see that she's here now. Let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Dr. Allison Kurt. Good morning, my friend. <laughs> Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? We're doing very well. Thanks for getting up early for us. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. Good. Perfect. Good, good, good. Um, let me just say, Allison was, was actually uh, with me, the, I believe it was the week before last. She was on uh, the other show that I do, Golf Talk Live. She's been part, for a number of years now, part of the Coach's Corner panel and always uh, brings some great insight to the game. And I want to ask you something. I was telling Cindy about this off air before we started this morning. Um, what I found very, very interesting uh, about your story, um, you're a player, you're a uh, golf teaching professional, and now a clinical sports uh, psychotherapist. How does each of these skills help in your evaluation of your students? What do you take from each of them to help your students? Well, definitely the psychology pops out the most because working with people, we have so many different unique personalities, how individuals handle adversity, how they learn, how they process information. And so the psychology piece is very, very helpful for me working with just people. And so using that education, using that knowledge, I think really allows me on the lesson team to get a better sense of how to deliver the information so the student is able to retain it, but then also to understand the other aspects of their life, how they might, how it might interfere with their golf performance. From the playing perspective, there's certainly a wealth of empathy to understand what happens to my students when they're trying to perform their best on the golf course, and maybe they don't play mm -hmm. the way they want to play. I've certainly been there myself, still continuing to learn and play my best and reach out to other teachers to see what can I do to be better. There's oftentimes that I'm in the same role as the student that's on my lesson team. And so it allows us to talk the same language 
And although we may play on different levels and play in different tournaments, the whole process is still the same, taking in information, learning it, and trying to perform on the golf course. And then, of course, from the teaching element, having the information and the mechanics and the understanding of how to make an efficient move to, to deliver it to the golf ball to allow them to play better, I think I need to have that baseline, too, to help my students make the best move that they can make. So a combination of all three, I think, is kind of a little bit of a powerhouse when I'm working with a student because I understand all the pieces that are, they're going through because I've been there myself. Right. Right. Well said. Um, let me just ask one other question, and, and Cindy, then I'll turn it over to you. Um, which of these do you think is your first passion? Is it the playing? Is it the teaching? Is it three? Obviously, all three of them are important to you, but is there any one that's really uh, your first and foremost passion? Most certainly playing. That's how I got into the game of golf. I started playing at the age of seven. My dad got me into the game of golf, learning how to play in tournaments, junior golf, advancing into the high school ranks. I mean, that's where golf for me started was as a player. Um, I think the education piece of learning how to play golf was always fun but frustrating because I wanted, just like our students do, Cindy, you'll probably agree with me here, I want it right now. I want you to tell me to do one thing, and then I have this idea that I should be able to do it on the first swing, and then all of a sudden everything's much better. Um, but, but the part of the journey that was really fun is not having that happen and then having to work at it for maybe a couple of months before you see a result and then reaching a goal. And all of that process was enjoyable for me. So I, first and foremost, the passion came from playing. And I think what's really fun for me when I go to work is that I may start off my day like today after I finish up with you all, I'll go out and I'll do teaching and that fulfills part of my passion. But then I know right after that, I'm going to be able to work on me and go into practice um, and mm. I put that player hat on. And then later this evening, I'll come back and I'll put on that therapist hat and be able to help people be the better version of themselves. So for me, it starts with playing, but all three of them are equally as rewarding and fruitful and fulfilling for me. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that's a, a great way to, to put it. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So, Allison, what is your why? Why do you do this? <laughs> That's a great question. And wow, what a what a deep thought for so early in the morning on a t- on a Tuesday morning. But no, I think we know a- you can handle it, sweetie pie. You are the rock star. <laughs> yeah, there's and everyone's talking about the why. And Cindy, I know you talk about the why a lot and kind of kick started, I think, with Simon Sinek and his great TED talk about the why and which businesses are super successful. We talk about the what and the why. Um, When I think about the why for me, I certainly can come up with three different answers depending on the role that I'm in. But I think the all-encompassing theme for the why is something inside of me has always been there about how to be better. And so whatever I do, I feel like there's always something that could have happened a little bit better to make the outcome a little bit different. And I'm not going to call it perfectionism because I really don't believe in perfectionism. And I'm past that phase where I think a lot of high schoolers and college players are at where everything has to be perfect. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about having a performance or doing something in life and then doing it a little bit better the next time you get an opportunity. And so my why is always seeking, because I know it's a never-ending sort of infinity, um, is always being better. And that's kind of my theme in psychotherapy as well, is finding the best version of yourself. Because you're going to find a great version of yourself, and then you always know that there's probably one other thing that could be just a little bit more tweaked or a little bit more modified to make things even better. And so my journey and what I do, whether it's teaching, whether it's playing, or whether it's helping people uh, through psychology, is to always be a little bit better. See, I knew you could handle it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty deep question, but 
you know, a lot of times you want to, you question yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I out here busting my butt for eight hours? Or why am I even practicing if I feel like I'm not getting any better? Uh, and it always comes back to that answer. There's, there's that potential to be just a little bit better. I hear you. And I'm on same path as you. I, you know, it's like, oh, my God, why don't you just take a chill pill? I can't. Right? <laughs> I, I, right. The, the so inward drive. So, all right, now i got to ask you another question. What's the stuff you use to dig deep? And what's it called? And how does it work? And who can you help? And it's got a big word, so explain. <laughs> Uh-oh, maybe it's not the same word you're thinking of. <laughs> no, the um, system that you use. Oh, for psychology. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, it has the acronym of EMDR, but the fancy word of it would be eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. And so that whole fancy um, alphabet soup is really just a system, a psychological system for helping people overcome things that have happened in their past that may be holding them back. And we've all at some level, whether it's golf or different areas of our life have had small grade traumas or big grade traumas that still trigger us and interfere with our performance in life, interfere with our day to day uh, coming and going of life. And so through psychology and through this process, it allows people to overcome and heal those old wounds that they have in their memory and in their system so that they're no longer held back. I think uh, the master's week is such a interesting week because over the course of time, we have seen a lot of players go through adverse situations at Augusta. And most notably I can think of is Jordan Spieth. And so within the past couple of years, pretty big number by Jordan Spieth. And then the following year on the same hole after dumping a couple of balls in the water, another big number results. And so you can't think of it as just a coincidence, like, oh, there's just a, a bad memory on this hole. But really, from a psychological standpoint, there was a traumatic situation that happened for Jordan. And in the next year, when he approached that hole, he was triggered and it held him back from performing his best. And so he would have been an ideal candidate for some EMDR work to heal and overcome those particular experiences on the course so that the next time he arrives to that hole, it's no longer a trigger. Hmm. Very cool. And Very how do people do this? Can you do it uh, remotely or do you have to be with you in person? Yeah, so there definitely is some constraints within that. You have to work with a licensed therapist, whether that's a psychologist or a psychotherapist, um, someone who is licensed in their state to practice psychology and also has been trained and certified in EMDR. It is not possible to do online through Skype. Um, the process looks like moving one's eyes back and forth, sort of similar to the REM stage of sleep. The other um, modality would be having a little device in each hand that vibrates back and forth as a form of tapping. So there has to be an in-person component in order to work on these big traumas and these, these adverse situations. However, once someone goes through EMDR and can learn EMDR, then as an individual, they can go into a form called tapping. And the tapping that I'm talking about is not uh, tapping where some people have done meridian tapping, like tapping on their face or some pressure points. This is completely different. This is what's called bilateral tapping. And it's a low-grade version to help relieve anxiety in the moment and create a positive template for success. Um, so once an individual goes through EMDR, then they could use the derivative of tapping once they are taught in person, and they can do that by themselves. So I wish it was something that I could help people across the country with mobily, but it's an in-person modality. And how many sessions do you need to do this to get results? Every, 
Yeah, good good question. It's different for everybody. I've had, um, ironically, I've had a mini tour player who was only in town for a limited amount of time come in and we did sort of an extended session. Sessions are usually between 50 and 90 minutes, uh, just based on the, the therapeutic hour, if you will. But with her constraints, we only had the days that she was in town. So we did like an extended session and she was able to process up to two traumas within one day. Now I've had some other clients that have had some traumas really deeply embedded. Um, one I can think of had a, like a 40 year trauma and something happened to her 40 years ago that was interfering with her golf game presently. And that was something that took about five or six sessions. So it was weekly come in for 90 minutes, work through it as best as we can, and then not be able to finish and have to work for the next week. So it's different for everybody, but in the whole scheme of things, you can look at smaller grade traumas as really having a lot of impact between three and six sessions. Um, There's some colleagues that I've worked with who – have had some clients that have had a recent trauma, like something happened to them over the weekend that was pretty significant, and they were able to process it pretty quickly within one day. Oh, wow. So definitely a lot of potential. That's great. And how yeah. would someone find yeah. you to do well, that? Well, they can certainly, yeah, they can certainly go to the directory for all EMDR-trained therapists, um, the organization, the governing organization is called EMDRIA, E-M-D-R-I-A. And if they go to EMDRIA.org, you can see all the certified and trained therapists in your area. You just type in your state and your zip code and it'll locate someone close to you. Um, but there's oftentimes people know that I do EMDR for golfers and golfers trauma. And so they'll come out to California or they'll have a trip planned to California and they'll come spend some time with me because they know that I'm pretty much the only one who's doing this in the field of golf. Great to know. And how do they find you? They'll find me on my website, Allison Kurt Golf. I also have a psychotherapy website, Kurt Performance Therapy, and that talks a little bit more about the science of EMDR and how to set up an appointment and such like that. Plus social media, I'm trying to improve my social media game. So there's always Instagram at Allison Kurt Golf and Facebook at Allison Kurt Golf. Awesome. Ted? Yeah, very good. Allison, let me just sort of follow up on that. Um, you know, obviously your training as a therapist has afforded you the opportunity to help in in more specific trauma issues that that you might deal with from time to time with some of the players that you're working with. Um, But has it also the training helped you uh, with players that maybe have difficulty in just focusing, maybe they're not necessarily a trauma that they're dealing with um, or bad rounds that they've dealt with, but they just have a very tough time focusing. Have you found that the, the training that you've been utilizing as a therapist helps you in that end as well? Definitely my skills in psychology and therapy help with concentration and focus. EMDR, not so much unless the trauma is linked to an issue in concentration and focus. But there's quite a bit of clients that I'll help with their mental coaching, and concentration is a big one. I think that there's a lot of different um, sources and contributing to why our attention is not as focused and that's we have so many things going on these days and there's too many different distractions with our cell phone which is a mini personal computer and how many times do you see someone at the range who's hitting golf balls and they're snapchatting and instagramming and texting and talking <laughs> on the phone and eating lunch all at the same time and then you wonder too many why times. can't I focus <laughs> Yeah, well, it's because you're doing six things at once. And I kind of always joke that everybody has uh, a disorder called TBD. Everyone has too busy disorder. And we've got so many things going on um, that it's hard to focus. And so definitely quite a bit of clients do come in saying, I'm standing over the golf ball and there's a lot of thoughts going through my mind. And I want to be able to, to focus 
and concentrate when it counts. And I think a big misnomer is what concentration actually looks like. And it's not being on the golf course for four hours only thinking about golf. It's little spurts of focus and concentration. It's being over the golf ball and concentrating for 40 seconds and then turning it off. Because no one, no one has the ability to concentrate for four hours straight on the golf right. course. It's always kind of on, off, on, off. So I definitely there's a lot of concentration. Um, some people, everyone likes to diagnose themselves with ADHD, which is inaccurate. Right. It's really just the ability right. and the self-discipline to do one thing at one time and not be doing anything else. Right. You know, I have to I have to laugh with something that you were saying about the, the distractions. And, and it reminds me of something I, I witnessed re- recently when I was out in the range myself. And there was a young guy there. He was probably about 15, 16 years old. And he was hitting some pretty decent shots. And about every other shot, he would stop and take a selfie of himself. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking to myself, <laughs> if he spent if he spent half as much time working on his game as opposed to, and I'm sure he was insta, you know, uploading it to Instagram or Snapchat. I don't know. I mean, there's so many things now that they can do with it, but it was just funny because he'd hit a shot or two and then he'd be doing the selfie and it's like, I mean, come on. But um, I, I want to ask you something. Um, first, first and foremost, um, as I mentioned in the, uh, the opening comments, um, you, you obviously qualified now for your sixth major, which is going to be coming up in June uh, at the KPMG. Uh, that, that's the, uh, that's your uh, event that you're preparing for. Um, talk a little bit about that. I know you're excited about that. Um, and, and what are you doing besides, uh, playing? Obviously I know you're practicing and, and you're out working on your game, but are there other things that you do to, uh, whether it be mentally prepare for a big event like this? Tell us about the event first off that's coming up. And then what do you do specifically to prepare for something like that? KPMG PGA Women's Championship will be held at Hazeltine National Golf Course in Minneapolis, and it's the third week of June. So I'm very blessed and excited to go back for a sixth time. It's just an amazing opportunity that PGA members and LPGA teachers have an opportunity to qualify each year for this, this coveted event. And so cool that I get to go back every year. It's always like, okay, I'm going to the national championship. I hope I, you know, click my ticket to go back because it's just such a neat, neat, neat experience. Um, However, it's so tough. It is the biggest stage in the world for a teacher to go play in a major championship, an LPGA major championship. And I think what's really tough for me personally is I have tons of experience, you know, over 30 years, of playing in golf tournaments. And I look at golf tournaments in different levels. You have your PGA local tournaments, and then maybe you have some majors within those uh, local tournaments, like your section championship or your women's section championship. And then you maybe have some national tournaments, like the PGA winter stroke play, the LPGA national championship, and that's kind of another level up. Maybe play in some Symmetra Tour events. That's a professional level up. But the major, an LPGA major, like that's top of the tier and when you only get it mm. one time each year or six times in your life total to perform at that high level it's really difficult the pressure is the highest the expectations start to I think distort a little bit of how well one should play in an event of that caliber um, it, I think it would be a lot different if I was someone who was going week to week playing at that level, at that highest intensity week to week, then you start to become desensitized a little bit and a bit more acclimated to um, the conditions of it. So it's definitely a tough event, but a fun event because it's so neat to be in that experience. So for me personally, what I do to prepare is obviously I'm working on my swing. I'm playing in as many of my local PGA events as I can to kind of build up my, um, playing regime, if you will. I go out to the golf course, mm-hmm. usually before lessons early in the morning, I'll go out to the back nine and hit different shots and work around the greens. But from a mental aspect, since I already know what it looks like now, because I've had five different experiences, when I practice on the range, now I can put myself mentally in a position um, to become accustomed for what that first tee looks like. 
or they become accustomed to how wide the fairways are. And a lot of times I'll play different shots on the range, but I'll really spend some time visually looking at the fairway being lined with people or grandstands pretty much on top of the tee box. So you feel like people are on top of you as you're swinging the golf club <laughs> or what it's like to have, you know, a thousand eyes on you in just one golf swing. Um, working through what it's going to feel like helps the anxiety decrease a little bit and also allows me to practice just being calm in the moment. So there's definitely an approach when it comes to practicing, putting myself in tournaments, playing on the golf course, and then mentally rehearsing what it's going to be like the day that I'm there. Yeah, it's a lot to uh, absorb, and I, I agree you know, as you said, if you're playing week in, week out, you, you kind of become desensitized to that feeling a little bit and it helps you through the process. But as you said, when you're only sort of jumping in to that caliber of a tournament once a year, um, that's a pretty big step for anybody, no matter how seasoned you are as a player. And, and it takes a lot of preparation and, uh, you know, just out hitting balls and, and playing uh, isn't always necessarily going to be enough to, to accomplish that. So you're, you're very smart and in your approach um, and what you've uh, just mentioned. Um, one other thing I was going to mention real quick, and I just want to know if you had a chance, uh, we, we mentioned to the young lady that was on before you, uh, Leona McGuire, who was on the Symmetra Tour and won this past week, um, whether or not she caught any of the highlights or caught any of the, um, uh, the women's amateur at Augusta National this past weekend. Did you get catch any of it, and what were your thoughts? I was able to watch the last two holes um, of some replay because I was out teaching all week. And the last two holes that I watched were absolutely a joy to witness. Mm. And I think the thing that really shined in my eyes was the camaraderie and the sportsmanship. Mm. And this was, yeah. this was as much about competing and playing your best and being in this hollowed sacred ground as it was about the fact that a women's tournament was being showcased there. And to see these two women hit great golf shots and fist bump each other or high five or hug each other um, after the round and just be so excited that it wasn't like, you know, I'm sad that I lost and I'm happy that you won. It was about, wow, we are here right now. And we get the opportunity to do this. And this was some great golf that was played. I mean, the scores were just unbelievable. And there was quite a few participants from Southern California who grew up in uh, the junior program from the SCPGA and the SCGA. And it was really fun to see those players perform and play great golf, see their scores come up. Um, but the last two holes that I was able to witness on TV, just the sportsmanship, was fantastic mm. and it just reminds me of when the critics you know the critics are always jumping online and talking about stuff when you see uh, Moria Jutanagarn or Arya Jutanagarn clapping for their opponent because they made a great shot or someone should right. in and you see two LPGA players high five like that's that's awesome that's really great to see and that spirit of the game I think is what really sh was showcased to me while watching yeah, I agree. Uh, I, like you and, and Cindy, I, I didn't get a chance to obviously watch everything, but I caught some highlights uh, throughout the tournament and then obviously many of the replays. And Cindy, something that really stood out to me and I think is going to resonate uh, literally globally, not just here in the United States, um, there was one particular replay that I was watching and in addition to some of the footage of the player, they would pan out to the audience and there was one particular one that caught my eye and there was a young girl um, and I'm only guessing, but she looked like she would maybe be about six or seven years old. And it was like she was just starstruck. The look on her face would, would launch a thousand ships. I mean, she just had a look on her face. What do you think, Cindy, and then obviously, um, Allison, I want you to comment as well. What do you think this is going to do for a lot of young girls that see these a little bit older girls out there on a big stage like Augusta National? What do you think that message is going to send to them and how, how are they going to feel about that? Me? That was for Cindy. Yes, Cindy. Yes, sorry. Okay, Cindy. I'm sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> again, those who are young don't understand the history behind the fact that, you know, 
I don't want to say it wasn't welcoming to women, but I just think the whole messaging, like Allison was just saying about the hugging and high-fiving and clapping and pulling for each other and all the camaraderie and all the good sportsmanship and, you know, I want to play well, I want you to play well, I just want to play better, but let's all hit good shots rather than, oh, I want to beat you. You know, so I just think it's absolutely awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. And, and Allison, you know, you see like the face of some of these really young girls that are looking up to the next generation of up and coming uh, female professionals. And you can just see the wheels sort of turning in their minds thinking, I want to do this or I want to be her one day. Um, Did you kind of get a sense from that as well? And I'm sure, you know, when you see a lot of the legends of the game that have sort of spearheaded that very movement, and now you're seeing the next generation sort of carrying that torch forward. Is that sort of the impression you're left with it as well? Definitely. I think also I hope they continue this progress and maybe look at expanding into a professional event being held at the golf course. I mean, what a wonderful open door opportunity with the women's amateur, but to have a professional event, I think is taking another step. And so I think that it was really inspiring for a lot of the girls to just see the younger girls, to see these players and women compete Mm -hmm. in such a special place. And it might encourage them to then look at the history of Augusta and to look at how many women members there are at the club and how that was such a revolutionary thing to start encompassing uh, women members. But it's really fun to see just societal, the changes um, in the women's movement, and especially in the game Mm -hmm. of golf. This is a huge, huge step. And I hope that parents, mentors, and coaches really articulate to these young players just how special it is and what the history is behind it and why it means so much. I do think it's extremely motivating, and I hope that that piggybacking with the drive, chip, and putt uh, the next day right. is is certainly encouraging for all young golfers to say, look at what is out there. Look what I can do. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would be very surprised. In fact, I would be shocked if in the next few years we don't see a professional women's event at Augusta National. I would be very surprised um, because, you know, this Augusta National on its own with the Masters, of course, which we're coming into right now, uh, has been such a huge international event, and I think that eyes are always, you know, drawn Masters Week. But I think with this other event preceding it, like that, I think it was a very smart move um, to have it the week before uh, to kind of get everybody sort of pumped up for the Masters. But at the same time, I think it opened a lot of eyes globally, with of course the media's help um, and seeing uh, sort of the next generation, but also um, the fact that that women can come out there and not only compete. Um, but can compete with uh, with class and dignity. And I think that, um, you know, I just think it speaks volumes, and, and I'm very, very excited for women's golf right now. Um, Allison, we, we want to thank you for, for joining Cindy and I this morning uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. It's been a pleasure. I wish we could keep you a little bit longer, but we got to wrap up. But uh, thank you, and uh, I look forward to you uh, joining me next time. I know it's going to be a little while, but uh, back on Coach's Corner. I love having you on uh, the panel. Thank you so much for having me, Ted and Cindy. It was a pleasure. Always enjoy talking with you both. Uh, thanks for asking the hard questions and making me think and getting my brain <laughs> woken up. And it's always special to uh, have some golf conversation with you. So thanks for the time. Thank you, Perfect. dear. Good luck to you. Thank you. I'll see you soon, Cindy. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was our uh, special guest, Dr. Allison Kurt, um, out in California. Thanks for getting up bright and early and, and being with Cindy and I this morning. And, and yes, I concur with Cindy. Good luck uh, with everything, but particularly uh, this summer and the uh, KPGM, KPMG event. I know she's going to do very, very well. She's just such a, 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 you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking with her, Cindy, a number of times over the last several years. And she's just not only a very smart, intelligent young woman, but just very driven, very determined, and just um, really very passionate. And I've sort of watched her over the years as she's preparing 
for this next phase, um, getting her doctorate in, in uh, as a psychotherapist. And I know it's a long, you know, uh, journey, if you will, but uh, I, I know it's going to pay off big for her as time goes on. But um, any final closing thoughts? No, it's just, you know, two very, very talented and special people. So we're, I'm grateful we had such great guests this morning. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, both Liana and yeah, sounds good. And next week, I think we got a young lady, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, down at your boot camp, correct? Well, she's going to be home, but I'm going to be at the boot camp this right. week. And I've got a student that's going to be on our show, which is Perfect. great. Well, we look forward. Yeah, we look forward to that and, and also hosting another winner. Uh, I believe there's another tournament this week uh, from the Smetra Tour. But uh, otherwise, it's going to be a great show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico, and we appreciate you joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. God bless everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.